You're listening to audio provided by Valleydale Church. To find more resources or to donate to this ministry, please check out valleydale.org. I suppose that uh, we never think about a curse and Christmas in the same breath unless you're forced to go to Costco. Um, (laughs) It just never enters our mind to think of Christmas and a curse, and yet the fact of the matter is Christmas comes out of a curse. History's full. If you read any of history, it's pretty fascinating. Uh, The curses that you'll read about down through history, the most popular, the most famous curse of all, of course, is the curse of the tomb of Tutankhamun. You've got the curse of the Polish king, uh, Casimir IV. There is the curse of the Hope Diamond, to which Debbie constantly says she'll risk it. Uh, You've got interesting curses like the curse of Tippecanoe. I don't know if you're familiar with that battle. It was a a battle in Indiana. The governor was... um, 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 William Henry Harrison, who becomes president, by the way, and uh, the Indian chief was uh, Tecumseh, and uh, Tecumseh pronounces a curse uh, out of uh, that battle of Tippecanoe. There's the, there's the curse of the goat and the Chicago Cubs. Uh, there's the curse of the great Bambino and the Red Sox. Um, maybe y'all are not familiar with those, but you, you should be. Every American should be familiar with those. It deals with baseball. There's the curse of the cursing stone. Now, this is fascinating. Uh, In 1525, the the Roman Catholic Archbishop Gavin pronounced a curse on the people that lived on the border between Scotland and England because they were constantly robbing and thieving and stealing and breaking in and murdering and raping and doing all these things. He even lists the families that he curses. And so he gives the longest curse that anybody's ever come across, over 1,060 words. But in the year 2000, there was this artist who decided he was going to carve into a piece of granite weighing 7 to 14 tons. And he carved 300 words of the curse, and they placed it in the center of Glasgow. Is Scott here? you got to go see this when you go. He's, Franklin Graham will be doing a crusade there this coming year. And so... Um, there's this stone there that the city council of Glasgow, have, they have met often because once that stone with the curse was placed there, uh, herds of cows began to die and flocks of sheep began to die. And then the city flooded. And then there was the murder of these children that took place. And so the city of Glasgow has debated, do, is the curse real? How do you break the curse? Do we put the stone away? Whatever you're going to do with this thing. 
Now you say, when a preacher, do you really believe that? I don't know. Did y'all see just about two or three days ago, Airbus had um, a dinner for 2,600 of their employees where uh, the Airbus um, kitchen cooked all of this magnificent food, set it out, and within 24 hours, 700 of the 2,600 who ate at Airbus Christmas lunch became violently ill. It's the curse of airplane food. (laughs) So some you probably do believe. Do you know the Bible is full of curses? You've got uh, right off in Scripture, you've got the curse of Cain, the mark of Cain that is often referred to as the curse. There's the curse of the flood. God says himself, I will never curse the earth in this way again with a flood. There's the curse of Ham uh, right after that. Then there is Balaam, the, the prophet who was hired to curse the Hebrews. And every time he opened his mouth, God intervened and out came a blessing instead of a curse. And it becomes a picture. It almost is a foreshadowing of what God is going to do with the curse that you find in Genesis chapter 3. It's the first curse in the Word of God. And uh, it is a curse on the serpent. Now, the interesting thing is this, is you'll find curses, as I was just talking about, through the Word of God. But do you know how the Old Testament ends? It ends the very last word in the last chapter of Malachi, the last verse, chapter 4, verse 6 of Malachi, ends with these words, so that I will not come and smite the land with a curse. The Old Testament ends with that word. Do you know how Revelation ends? The last time you ever see the word curse is in Revelation chapter 22, the last chapter of the book of Revelation. And you come to verse 3, and you read the last time this word, and it says, there will no longer be any curse. Well, somewhere between Genesis chapter 3 and Revelation chapter 22, something happens, and what happens is this, Christmas happens. Jesus is born in Bethlehem. Something changes the effects of the curse because of that baby in the cradle, in the manger, at Christmas in Bethlehem. And that's what I want you to kind of look at this morning. We don't think much about that. But I want to tell you, out of the curse comes Christmas. So if you've got your Bibles and they're open there, I want to show you something interesting about chapter 3 of Genesis. As you turn to chapter 3, everything changes with these words. Now the serpent. Everything is going to be upended. In fact, let me do this. If you've got your Bibles and you've got a pen, let me just give you a brief outline of chapter 3. The first five verses are the temptation. Verse 6 and 7 become the fall of mankind. Adam and Eve fall in verse 6 and verse 7. In verse 8 through 13, you have the confrontation of God. God comes and he confronts them. In Genesis chapter 3, verse 14 through 19, you have the curse. The curse comes right there. And then down in verse 21, what you're going to see is you're going to see um, 
a kind of an interesting thing here. You're, you're going to see where there is this preview of what is going to happen, what is going to take place. And what is going to take place is this, the Lord God made garments of skin for Adam and his wife and clothed them. That's just a preview of what is going to happen. He's going to come and he's going to clothe the nakedness of mankind with the righteousness of Jesus Christ. So you get a preview there and the rest of it is just the reality of life now. We live in this world that has been cursed. But now let me take you back and let me show you what God does. Look in that 15th verse of chapter 3. And, um, or, or back it up. Let me get you back to verse 14. And listen to what is there. God speaks to the serpent first after he questions Adam and Eve. And hold on to that. Let me, let me show you something about that as well. But he comes and he speaks uh, to the serpent first. And this is what he says to the serpent, because you have done this, cursed are you. You look over and he comes now to verse 16 and to the woman, to Eve, he says, I will greatly multiply your pain in childbirth and pain you'll bring forth children, yet your desire shall be for your husband and he will rule over you. No curse. You watch this. No curse. I just shout right now because I know the rest of this stuff. <laughs> he comes now to Adam. And to Adam, he said, because you've listened to the voice of your wife and you've eaten from the tree about which I commanded you, saying, you shall not eat from it, cursed is the ground. Now, he curses the ground, but no curse on Adam. That ought to be the Christmas message right there. He curses the serpent. But he never curses Eve, and he never curses Adam. Uh, in fact, he's going to do something different than that. But let me show you. Let me back up before that. He never questions the serpent either. He never asks the devil a single question in here. He just curses him, although he comes to Adam and Eve with questions. In verse 9, the Lord said, uh, the Lord called to man and said, where are you? And he said, I heard the sound of you in the garden. I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid myself. And God asked a second question, who told you you were naked? And then God comes with a third question, and it's this. As he speaks to Eve, what is this that you have done? So he comes and he says, where who, what, he never asked those questions of the devil. He knows exactly where Satan is. He know, by the way, he knew where Adam and Eve were too. You understand that, right? He, he knew exactly um, where Satan was. He knew exactly who the serpent was. He knew exactly what the serpent was up to. And so in this, God comes and he curses now. And uh, he curses the serpent, though he never curses Adam, and he never curses Eve. What does he do? Watch it what he does in verse 15, this incredibly important verse. In fact, uh, the early church fathers gave this a name, the proto-evangelium, the, proto the first proto-first evangelium, first gospel. This is where you see the gospel given first 
in the third chapter of Genesis, and God comes, and listen, he's not declaring war on the devil. He comes, and he goes to war with the devil. Yeah, it's good. I'm glad you and I got it. I will put enmity between you and the woman, between your seed and her seed. He doesn't declare war. He doesn't talk about war. He goes to war with the devil. It's as if in their sin, he doesn't curse Eve and he doesn't curse Adam. But what he does is he almost moves them behind him so that now he goes to war with the devil because... And they listen, in their sin, in their failure, in their mistake, in their rebellion, in their disobedience. Some of you blessed folks remember the Western, the rifleman. You remember, I can't remember the boy's name, but Luke comes out with that, you know, that 30-30 with that big ring. Man, he rings that thing around. You remember somebody will come up and they'll mess with Mark. They'll mess with Mark. It just came to me. That's a miracle. It just came to me. His name was Mark. Do you remember what he'll do? He'll come up and he moves Mark behind him. And then he'll twirl that. And you know, it's going to get bad now. Uh, as a dad, I've done that with my kids now. I, my oldest son is about 6'3". Six, 6'3". Six, and I know he weighs over 200 pounds. You just look at him and tell that. And um, that big old boy is up over me. And the last time he was in Israel with me, there was a Frenchman who pushed him out of the way and got in front of him in a line. My natural reaction without thinking, and my wife says, you have to think in these moments, without thinking was I grabbed that big old youngin and I moved him behind me. Son, here comes Lucas McCain right now. <laughs> I moved in behind me, and I looked at that Frenchman, and I said, it's obvious your mama didn't teach you any manners, but I'm about to. Amen. And my son grabbed me, and he says, Daddy, what difference does it make? I said, but he did it, son, to you. That's God. Even in your sin, even in your failure, even in your disobedience, here comes God, and he moves Adam and Eve behind him, and he steps toward this serpent, and he begins war now. That's the Savior. Because in that cradle, in Bethlehem, comes Christmas. And that Christmas is because of this curse. Let me give you the second and the last thing that I'll give you this morning. On this Christmas Eve morning, in the cradle lies the cure for the curse. Now, when you look at the baby in the cradle, you don't think of this. You think of cuddly babies. That's what we all think of. You think of just a baby, how cuddly they are, how much like Winston Churchill they look, how, you know, they are. It's a magic moment, you know, when a little baby is born. It's always something special. And uh, we think that when we come to Bethlehem's cradle, but I'm telling you this Christmas Eve Sunday, as you look into the cradle, you see the cure for the curse. 
Now, I want to show you something, especially you ladies. What happens here is fascinating to me because what you read about is this. In verse 15 of Genesis chapter 3, he shall bruise you on the head and you shall bruise him on the heel. And to the woman, he's still speaking. He says to her, your seed will be at enmity with the serpent seed. The serpent will be at enmity with the woman's seed. Now, if you look at that, seed is singular. It's as almost as if God says to the serpent, it was through the woman that you deceived and you brought into humanity this great sin of disobedience. Yet I am going to take the woman, and through the woman, I am going to bring the solution to the curse. Do you see what he does, ladies, especially He takes that and he flips it completely upside down. You never think that out of a curse comes a blessing. Look in the cradle. Out of the curse comes a blessing. And that blessing is the baby that is in the cradle of Bethlehem. On this Christmas Eve, understand. Look at that. And ladies, so many today have said, we we simply don't figure into all of this. My stars... With the very one that Satan used in deception, God comes and he says, I am going to, in a miraculous way, take a virgin girl and I will incarnate myself into her womb and what will come out of her womb will be the cure to the curse. You used her for evil, God was saying. God says, I'm going to stand that on its head, and I will use it as a universal, eternal good. You know, when you look at that, I I see the virgin birth there in Genesis chapter 3, verse 15. There is a great Hebrew scholar by the name of Jack Collins, and he has done tremendous study on this through the Old Testament. And he says, everywhere in the Old Testament, when you find the singular form of the word seed, it speaks to a specific descendant. And he says, every single time, it is going to be in the masculine pronoun. And in other words, what he's saying is that every time you see this, it is pointing to Bethlehem's cradle. It is pointing to Jesus Christ. You remember God comes to Abraham in chapter 12 and 15 and 17, I believe. And he says, to your seed, singular. Sarah has one child, one little boy. Ruth is going to have first one little boy that we know about. He will become Obed, and Obed will have a baby by the name of Jesse, and Jesse will have a boy, the seventh of seven boys, by the name of David. All the way through, you get down to Isaiah, in Isaiah chapter 7, the prophet speaks to the king and says, listen, here is a virgin back here, and she is going to conceive. And when she conceives, she's going to name that child Emmanuel, and by that time, you will be delivered from your enemies. And all the way down to a little place, a, a, a Roman bivouac town, where they raised pigs for the Roman army off out of the little 
town there of, of Nazareth, there is a young maiden from an unlikely place who's never known a man, and God incarnates himself into the womb of that girl and changes history. No, changes eternity. Changes eternity. And that baby that is there in that manger is the cure. Let me show you three quick things about that. And I'll be through. What do you think of when you think of the curse? What is the tangible thing that you think of when you think of the curse? God's given us a picture right here in the text. It's the one thing that he says when he says, I'm going to curse the ground. That is the picture of the curse. Thorns and thistles. It's the only thing he says. He doesn't talk about dandelions. He doesn't talk about ragweed. He doesn't talk about any. He talks about thorns and thistles. Do you know that's universal? Thorns and thistles grow in every place on the earth except one, Antarctica. You've got thorns and thistles everywhere. It is a constant reminder around the earth that this ground, this earth is cursed because of man's sin. And that was the very thing they took to make a crown to crown Jesus with. That they took the thorns and the thistles there of Jerusalem and they wove them into a crown and they jammed it down on his head so that anybody could look, any Jew could look and see that's a picture given to us by Moses in Genesis 3 as God's curse on this earth. He wore it. But then it goes a step further. Paul gives us this. If you get over to Galatians chapter 3, I want you just to listen to what he says there. Christ redeemed us. This is chapter 3 of Galatians verse 13. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law, having become a curse for us. For it is written, cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree. I mean, how, in, how much more could the Holy Spirit be showing this is, this is the cure for the curse. The thorns, the thistles on his head, hanging on a tree. The Old Testament said what he just quoted, cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree. And yet, the interesting thing is that out of that, God fulfills what he says. He shall bruise you, he shall bruise you, crush you on the head and you shall bruise him on the heel. Now, I've had, have any of y'all ever had a stone bruise on your heel? If you grew up in the South and you, you didn't wear shoes out, um, you know what I'm talking about. It eventually goes away. It takes a while, but it goes away. But a crushed head just will not go away. That's permanent. That's permanent. You see what he's saying here? is that what you do to him is going to be temporary. He's going to come out that grave. But what he's going to do to you when he does is permanent. And do you know what Paul does? I'm going to show you. Go to Romans chapter 16. Paul comes at the end of this magnificent letter that we've been looking at now for a couple of months and he comes in verse 20 of Romans 16, and he says this, And the God of peace will soon crush Satan 
under your feet. Now, what did he leave out? Come on now, it's, it's Christmas Eve. Y'all ain't got a thing to do. What did he leave out of that? Bruise his heel. He's going, he's going to put him under so that you will crush Satan under your feet. What did he leave out? To bruise his heel. He can't bruise your heel. He can't bruise you. He can't do anything to you now because you're inoculated with his blood. That's the cure for the curse. And I'm going to show you how that is in real life. Do you know one of the primary elements of anti-venom for snakes? Sheep's blood. Lamb's blood. Read an article this week on that. That in Australia, they're shipping it now into the UK. All of this venom, all of this anti-venom that has been made out of sheep's blood, out of the blood of the lamb, the curse has been broken. Let's stand and pray about it. Thank you for listening to this recording from Valleydale Church. To find more or to connect with us about what you just heard, check us out at valleydale.org.